0: Welcome to the Calvary Assembly podcast with weekly messages from Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. This morning, we're going to talk about contentment. And there's a myth most of us probably know about King Midas. This king was super, super wealthy, super, super powerful, kind of had everything that you could ever want out of a life. He had a really, really beautiful palace, really, really beautiful house to go along with this palace, right? He had a prosperous country, and he had a wonderful daughter that loved him. But the thing is, is it never seemed like enough to Midas. Midas was always constantly trying to be better, constantly trying to find things that he could have more of. He was obsessed with gold. He always wanted more of it. And it came to the point that when he was offered the chance to have anything that he wanted, he decided, for some reason, to say, Hey, I want everything that I touch to be gold. Everything that I touch to be gold. And the person offering this warned him. He, say, he said, Midas, this isn't quite as what you think it is. You need to be careful. Midas didn't care. All he was thinking about was all the gold that he would have. And so he's like, I'm good with it. Let's just roll with it. So he went forward a couple of days, and one night he fell asleep, and he woke up in the morning. I can just imagine him wiping the sleep from his eyes, and he reached over and touched his end table, and all of a sudden, his end table was solid gold, and he's like, it happened. This is amazing. Can you imagine just touching your end table, and it becomes solid gold? And all your worries probably solved right there, right? So he gets really, really excited. He jumps out of bed. Of course, as soon as he touches his bed to jump out of bed, it turns to gold too. He runs through the house touching a bunch of different things. He touches the doorknob, it becomes gold. He touches the door and it becomes gold, right? A table, a painting, um, a whole bunch of different things. And they all became gold. You see, he didn't quite see the problem until he tried to eat breakfast, When he reached down to grab a grape, the grape turned to gold in his hands and he could no longer eat it. When he reached to grab the piece of bread, the bread turned to gold and he could no longer eat it. But it really, really, really hit him when his daughter ran in and he gave her a hug and she turned to gold. You see, in that moment, King Midas understood that his greed, his discontent had done some terrible things and he wept. Now, this story has a happy ending. Eventually, everything returned to the way it was, and King Midas was a changed man. He understood, and he was grateful for the things that he had. But it kind of brings us to this topic of contentment, because King Midas learned a valuable lesson to be content with what he had, and I think the same thing that we need today is that lesson of contentment. King Midas is an example of what our culture and world is like today, For some reason, we got past the point of enough being enough, and we went into, it's never enough. We're constantly trying to move forward, constantly trying to have nicer things, constantly trying to strive for new heights. But along that striving for new heights, striving to be better, I believe we landed in the realm as King Midas did, gaining stuff for the sake of stuff. You know, the American dream is to be better, right? Be better than your parents had before, and that's a perfect dream. That's okay to want to have that, but when we are get stuff for the sake of stuff, that's when it becomes bad. We try to keep up with the Joneses down the street. We see all the TV ads on, you know, watching football. You see all these TV ads. Their one job is to make you discontent with your life so you'll buy whatever product they have on that TV, and they're good at it, Right? I don't know how many times I see Riley's truck driving down the street, and I'm just like, oh, I want a truck like that. His old truck too, right? Or you see things that you want so desperately, and instead of being content with what you have, which is perfectly good, you want that so much that you try to go after it. These things. I don't know why we need one every two years. I like getting one every two years, right? It's awesome. I always want the next one. iPhone is really, really good about making you discontent with the fact that you don't have the latest model, even though it's only one or two things off from the last model that you have, right? So it's discontent. we have pushing past the point where we want to have better things, where we just want stuff. We've forgotten contentment. We've forgotten what it means to be happy with the things we have. I do want to make one thing clear, though. Striving to be better, having better things isn't bad, that's never a bad thing, but it's when you take that past the point of just trying to be better into the point is I need stuff for stuff's sake, All right, My kids are one example of that is they have so many toys, but they always want more toys, right? I don't know what it is, but they always want more toys. Me, it's tools. I love tools. I have lots of tools, and I always want more tools because there's always a tool that I don't have, right? And so you always want more tools, and then I see someone with like a whole Milwaukee tool set, and it's like, I've got DeWalt. They're good, but man, that's better, right? What's bad is when we allow our whole life, who we are, to revolve around the accumulation of stuff and around just stuff in general. So I want to kind of draw our attention to some verses in the Bible. If you want to open your Bibles to Philippians 4, verses 10 through 13, this contains one of the most quoted scriptures and I believe one of the most misapplied scriptures in the Bible, misinterpretive, right? So as we're looking for that, I'll give you some background here. As Paul is bringing this letter to the church of Philippi to a close, he's thanking them for the gift that they sent through Ephroditus, right? But he claims that even without that gift, even without the stuff that they sent him, he was content. He had learned the secret of contentment. And so that's where we pick it up in chapter four, starting with verse 10, and it's on the screen here too. It says this, I rejoice! I wow, I rejoice greatly in the Lord. And at last, you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need; for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every in any situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, God, as we dive into your word, as we're looking at contentment, I just ask that you would speak to our hearts. Speak to our minds, God. Let us not leave this place without using your word and applying it to our heart in some way, shape, or form. And God, I just ask that you would speak this morning, and we just thank you for that in your name. Amen. So we're looking at contentment and in that last line, I can do all things or I can do all this through th- him who gives me strength. I think that's one of the most misinterpreted because we use that as we can do anything through God's strength. Well, yeah, it's kind of possible and it is right. But what Paul here is talking about is contentment. I can be content through the power of Jesus. I can be content because he gives me strength. Right. So this verse brings three questions that I want to kind of address today is first one is what is contentment? How do we get it, or why do we need it, and how do we get it, right? So the first one is, what is contentment? Well, a little scanner of the internet, if you pull up your phone or you go on your computer and you type in google.com and you say contentment, it says these, this thing right here, it says contentment defines as a state of happiness and satisfaction, or Wikipedia says a state of accepting one's situation. That's what contentment is, is you understand that you're in a state of happiness and satisfaction and you've accepted where you're at, right? There's a a Puritan preacher who put it this way by the name of Jeremiah Burroughs. He said, Christian contentment is that sweet, inward, quiet, gracious frame of spirit, which freely submits to and delights in God's wise and fatherly disposal in every condition. No matter what's going on in our lives, we understand that God's provided it and we're okay with that. Sometimes that's easy, especially when things are in abundance, right? But sometimes that's hard, especially when things are scarce. But we're content knowing that God is the one who's provided everything. It means no matter what we're going through, No matter how much we have or don't have, we're content in the fact that God has our back, that God's there. We're satisfied with the provision that's God given us. And Paul here says that in these verses that it wasn't something that he was born with. Did you hear what he said? I have learned the secret of contentment. It's something that each and every one of us have to learn because it's not easy, especially in the culture that we have today. We're pushing for more stuff. We have to learn what it means to be content. We have to learn what it means to be okay with what we have. We're not born content, but we can be taught and we can learn it. And it's something that we need to strive for as Christians, that we're not constantly wanting other people's stuff or new things. That's not saying you can't push for them. You can't desire to have them. But when that becomes our sole focus, we go into that realm of discontent. So why do we need contentment? Because we all long for satisfaction. We all long for that feeling of the world being made right around us, right? When something's wrong, don't you feel that little pain inside of your heart, and you're just like, "Oh, right." I, I don't know why, but I'm kind of a perfectionist. If there's, if there's, uh, and it's only in some areas of my of my life. If you look at my office, you'd understand that I'm not a perfectionist in my office, right? But but when I'm when I'm making things or building things or crafting things, um, like I made our uh, my daughter's beds. they loft beds, and I made them, and. One of them is as near perfect as I could make it, right? The other one has one slight flaw that nobody else will see but me, but I was striving for that perfection, and it drove me nuts because everything wasn't right. Everything wasn't the way I wanted it to be. But we need to understand that that's what contentment is, is that satisfaction of everything being made right around us. Everything is okay, I need to be okay with the fact that my one daughter's bed is slightly off. It may be the floor, but it's probably the bed, right? And most of the time, that desire for satisfaction, that desire for our well-being pushes us to rely on other things, pushes us to rely on our own abilities and talents instead of God. I grew up in a family that you pick yourself up by your own bootstraps. You don't need anybody else's help, right? Pushes us to rely on ourselves. Pushes us to rely on our relationships. Instead of turning to God with our problems, we find someone else. And we say, hey, can you help me with this? And I'm not saying that it's bad to turn to someone else, but we should still turn to God, right? We focus on our work and our money to give us that satisfaction. Hey, if I just make one more dollar, I'll be content. If I just make one more dollar, I'll be okay. How about our Husker football team? Pastor Rex can... Tell you that it's true, there's nothing like a dead Sunday when the Huskers get stomped on Saturday. And you know, honestly, in the recent past years, it's gotten a little better because we kind of expect that they're going to lose, which is sad, but we're discontent because the team that we love so much doesn't win like it should, right? We learn to focus and rely on other things that eventually are going to fail us. And that's why we need contentment more than ever, is because our talents and our abilities will eventually fail. I'm halfway to 70. I'm practically a cripple, right? I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But your talents and abilities will fail. I feel that every time I try to throw a football, I got something in my shoulder. I can't throw like I used to. Josiah makes me feel sad every time I see him throw because it's like a bullet that tries to take your hands off. That used to be me, right? But now I can't do that. So our talents and abilities fade. Our relationships, sometimes they end. And if that's what you relied on, what are you going to do, right? Your work and your money—I mean, it can go right into your bank account and right out of your bank account, and you won't have it no more, and you have nothing to rely on. Your Husker football—we're not even going to go there, all right. When we put our trust in these things, they fail. We'll lose that sense of well-being. We'll lose that sense of contentment because it wasn't placed in what we should have placed it in to begin with, which is God. Now, in Ecclesiastes 5, 10 through 11, a lot of scholars believe that this was Solomon. We're not 100% sure who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. But if it was Solomon, he was the wisest and richest man who ever lived. And he said these words, and they'll be on the screen. It says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are those to the owners except for to feast their eyes upon them? Ecclesiastes 5, 10 through 11. It's crazy how many people have experienced that. That wealth, money, and fame are not something they can put their trust into. Because they can fade like that. And you you look at people who won the lottery. They get millions of dollars, sometimes half a billion dollars. And you think that they would be content... I mean, you're set up for the rest of your life if you win half a billion or even a million dollars if you plan it right. But 99.9% of the time, those who win the lottery are worse off afterwards than they were before because they're not content with what they have. And so what do they do? They go out and they get stuff. And eventually all the stuff gets rid of all the money that they thought they had for the future. And then all that stuff eventually disappears. And they're like, oh man, What do I do now? I don't have any money, right? So we need to be content. And that's what Paul's saying that he learned. He's like, I learned what it means to be content when I have plenty and when I have nothing, when I am warm and fed or when I'm cold and hungry, I am content. And the way that he learned that he is content is because of Jesus. It's his joy in Christ that gives him peace and contentment. So that brings us to the last question is, how do we get contentment? How can we get this thing that Paul says that kind of sustained him through everything that he was going through? And the first thing is, is we need to put our trust in God's provision. And in the book of Matthew, Jesus was talking to his disciples, and it says this, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? This is after he talks about the birds of the air, how God provides them with foods, and the lilies of the valley, how they don't worry about how they look, because God clothes them in beautifulness, right? Essentially, he's saying, don't worry about stuff, because God will be there to, contain- to take care of you, right? He wants to care for us, he wants to provide for our needs, and that's what we need to rely upon is, is God's provision. Now, does that mean we're going to get everything that we want? Absolutely not. But we can get what we need to survive. We can get what we need to push on. That's not saying that we can just give up everything and just let God, you know, kind of just take over everything, right? Not saying that we just say, hey, God, I'm, I'm just going to stop working. No, God wants us to work. He wants us to put in the effort, but we understand that we can be content through God's power. He gives us a direct command not to worry about the things of the world. Understand that God has given us the things that we have and be satisfied with it. That's hard, especially when you're in times of want where you're like, man, I could really use this, or I could really use that. It's hard to know that God is there, that God is helping us. Don't play the comparison game with others, right? When we fall into the trap of of comparing what we have with what others have, we become discontent and we desire what they want we need to trust that God has given us what we need when we need it look at this in Matthew six thirty-two 32-33 he says this for the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well he's saying seek God seek him and his righteousness and the things that you need will be added on Pagans run after everything else. The pagans run after the things that they want and they desire and that's what they live their life for. But you should run after God. You should run after what he has for your life. We need to seek God above everything else. And now, again, that's hard. Trust me. Riley's truck. Even though it's a Chevy. Not so sure why he got the Chevy, but it's okay. Right? Ford's better. Maybe I should say Pastor X's truck. Right? <laughs> so we need to be satisfied with God's provision, we need to draw our strength from God. Paul stated that he learned the secret, and it wasn't through his strength. It was through God's strength. The secret of contentment wasn't something that he could do on his own. Because truly, we desire more. We always want more. And the secret of contentment is found through the power of God, through the strength of God. It's Christ who strengthened Paul, and it's Christ who can strengthen us he knew that his own power and his own abilities couldn't do it. And this kind of parallels the thorn in the flesh that Paul had in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, right? Paul prayed and prayed and prayed to get rid of whatever this is. It just says a thorn in the flesh. He's like, I want to get rid of this. God, take it from me. He said he prayed three times, and God's like, nope, I'm not going to take it. And then what does he say? In my weakness, God's power is made known. In the midst of our discontent, if we rely on God Through his power, we can be content. It's not through us. It's not through anything that we can do. We have to draw strength from God and say, God, man, I really want that truck. But I understand that I'm blessed. I understand that the things that I have, they're okay. They're good enough. They will get me through the day, right? Best example I have of this, of people drawing strength from God, even though what they have is is not that great, is right after I graduated high school in 2006. We went to a mission trip in Mexico, and we built a church. It took us three days to build this church. It had been blown over in a big storm. I don't think it was a hurricane. It was just a big windstorm that knocked this church over. So we go down there, and we build this church. And trust me, when I say that you probably would not want to be in this church, you probably would not want to be in this church, right? It, it was like it had four walls. They were okay walls, all right? But on the inside, just imagine if this was it. They had a couple of fans, kind of like these. But the walls had the outside, and then all you saw was studs. And we ran some wiring in there. And that was it. There was no insulation. There was no pretty artwork on the walls. There was no paint. It just looked like plywood, because that's essentially what it was. And the roof was tin. And I'm not saying, like, the metal on this roof, because this roof I would be okay with walking on. That roof, when me and my friend decided we were going to put the ridge cap on, we tied ropes around each other's waist, and one of us stood on one side of the, the, the ridge, and the other one stood on the other side. And we're like, OK, if one of us falls through, the other one jumps to make sure that we kind of stay on top of this building. Because that metal was super thin, super thin. There was one time I like, put my weight barely on it, and I thought it was, I was like, man, I'm dead. All right, I'm in Mexico, I'm dead. But when he got it all built, the third day, everything was up. Power was running. We had a service, and I can still remember the joy on those people's faces for the building that they had that they could worship God in. Things that we would be like, no, I ain't going to that church. I mean, they don't even have drywall up. They barely have two plug-ins and a fan, and it smells, but they were content, and they literally danced for joy during that service. I had no idea what that guy was saying. I had no idea what they were singing, except for one time we sang Power in the Blood because I could hear that, Right? But they danced for joy for what they had because they were content. Those were people that truly had to rely upon God's strength for their food every day. Truly rely upon God's provision every day. And when they had that, it was amazing. So they drew upon God's strength. We need to understand that we can draw upon strength from God too. And the last thing is to count your blessings. One way to be content is to count the things that you have. There's nothing like a, a cure for discontent when you sit there and you start counting up the things that you truly have. Do you know that if you have a house, a roof over your head, you have a car in your driveway and you have a job, you're richer than 90% of the world? Just for those three things. If you have two cars in your driveway, you're richer than like 97% of the world. That's incredible. That's incredible. We need to count our blessings. Take some time and write down the things in your life that you're saying, hey, this is what God has given me. God's given me a family. God's given me a house. God's given me a job. If you have nothing else, I still have my life. I'm still breathing today. And be joyous over the things that God has given us. Be joyous over those things. When we shift our focus from our wants to our blessings, That's when we can reach contentment. That's where we can reach, as Jeremiah Burroughs put it, that sweet, inward, quiet, gracious frame of spirit which freely submits to and delights in God's wise and fatherly disposal in every condition. Contentment is trusting that God knows what he's doing and God can provide for us. Or we can just be like Rakshak and Benny going into the fire. They said, you know what? God can save me, but even if he doesn't, still not going to bow. God can provide this need, but even if he doesn't, God's still good. He still provides. So Paul had learned the secret of contentment. He learned that God was the source of his contentment. If you want to look at someone who went through so much trial and tribulation doing God's work, look at Paul. He was shipwrecked. He was flogged. They whipped him 39 times because they believed that if you got whipped 40 times, you'd die. So they said, okay, we'll just do 40 lashes minus one. So 39 times. He was whipped. He was stoned. He was in prison and in numerous other things. But in Philippians, we say that I've learned the secret of contentment. Is that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through the God who gives me strength, right? So this morning, the question is, is are you content? Are you content? If I could have the worship team come on up. Are you content in every circumstance? And I don't mean complacency. There's a difference between complacency and contentment. Complacency is settling for where you're at and not trying to be better. Contentment is understanding that what I have is enough, but I can still strive to be better. So there's a difference between complacency and contentment. So are you content in every circumstance? Like Paul said, are you content whether you're well-fed or hungry? Are you content whether you're living in plenty or want? Or are you ready to put your trust in God? Maybe you don't know where your next payment for your bill is going to come from. Maybe you don't know where the next food's gonna come from. Maybe you don't know what's gonna happen in the next two hours, let alone the next 10 minutes. But the thing is that we can be content through Christ. We can be content through his power. So I wanna leave you with the last verse, a caution against running after things of this world. A caution against discontentment is Matthew 16, 26. It says this, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Guys, there's nothing in this world that is worth us losing our soul. There's no amount of stuff, no amount of things that is worth it. So this morning is, are you content? And as we sing this last song, I just want to challenge you to look into your own life and say, God, what are the blessings that you provided me with? What are the things that you've given me so that I, I can learn to be content with you? And maybe you're that person who's been striving after everything. You see, you see the Joneses' house. You see the Joneses' car. You see the Joneses' TV through their front window. And you're, man, man, I want those things. Maybe you just need to take some time today and say, God, I don't necessarily need those things. I might want them, but I can be content with what I have. My TV still works. My car still gets me from point A to point B. And during the cold or the summer, my house is warm or cold, depending on where it should be, right? So are you content? I'm going to say a prayer and we're going to do a song. And just find a place where you can get alone with God. You can come up here to the front if you want to connect with him in there, but you can also sit right in your seat and say, God, am I content? God, Am I okay with the things that I have? Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for this morning. God, we thank you through your word through Paul in Philippians where he says that he learned the the secret of being content. And it wasn't his power, God. It was your power working in him. He understood that he could be okay because he knew that you were his heavenly father, that you were giving him strength, that you were giving him the things that he needs. And so this morning, I ask that you would do the same thing with us. God, that you would speak to our lives and speak to our hearts. Help us to be content in every situation. God, whether we have tons of things or whether we have nothing, whether we're warm and fed or we are cold and hungry, help us to be content through your power. And God, as we're thinking about the blessings that you've given us, God, just keep revealing things to us. Reveal things to our hearts and to our lives that say, hey, man, that's what you did for me, God. That's what you did for me. And help us to understand that all those blessings come for you. And I just thank you for it in your name. Amen. If you guys want to take a time to pray as we play this last song.